Hey guys, so in this episode, we get into some things that we feel might be a little bit controversial, might come across, or could come across as a bit of, of a personal attack, or like we have some personal bitterness, or like we're harboring something against Anabaptists, our home church, something like that. And we just want to say here at the outset that that is not the case at all. We have no personal agenda against Anabaptists against our home church, against any single individual in any of the home churches or or Anabaptist churches that we know of. Um, this is a, a conversation that Scott and I have been having for a long time, and it's something that we're passionate about, but it's not, and you'll probably f- hear that in what we say, but it's in no way a personal attack um, or personal agenda or anything like that. This is a conversation between two brothers that we invite you guys into. You can come to us, you can bring your thoughts, you can bring your feedback, your disagreements, um, the things you agree with. Um, Yeah, we're open to what you have to share with us about what we have to say. But this is something that we've been thinking about for a long time and we wanted to share it with you. So we invite your feedback and hope that you enjoy and um, that it's helpful. Are we going? Sure. Okay. We're on. Yep. All right. Welcome back to the Surpassing Worth podcast. It's uh, good to have Jordan back again. And uh, we have not been on the air for quite a long time. Uh, it's been a number of weeks since we did our last our last podcast. But uh, Jordan, how was your time in Minnesota? It was really good. Um, yeah, it was full of a lot of different things. There was a lot of teaching English to Afghans. Of course, that was a, that was a huge aspect of what we were doing. That was the main thing in what we were doing. Um, and then also we would occasionally go out and talk to the homeless people, try and give them water bottles and things like that. Um, and we met with a lot of different people there in Minneapolis, um, and had good relationships with people there. Um, I miss everyone there. It was a it was a really good time, but obviously the podcast kind of faltered during that time. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, and you know maybe we can, maybe at some point, if the Lord leads us in that direction, we can hear more about it, or um, maybe you'll share some in the blog. Who knows? Um, yes. But yeah, I mean it's good to have you back, not just. For the podcast, that's only a small percentage, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, so we are trying to kind of get our feet back underneath us, um, and so in this episode, we're just going to have a discussion uh, about legalism, and coming from an Anabaptist background, we both uh, have obviously seen... Um, we, we kind of have, what do you want to say, Anabaptist colored glasses when we're looking at legalism. Um, and yeah, I think we both see legalistic tendencies in, um, Anabaptists and Mennonites. Uh, so, and, and, you know, this is not at all, um, unique specifically to Anabaptists. Legalism is a 
is a disease that permeates all of humanity. I think it's a, a human disease. Uh, but I guess we, uh, I have a, have a passion for specifically the Anabaptist uh, community because um, I grew up in it and I, I can honestly say I have a, have a, a desire to see um, freedom in Christ be at the center of um, community and church function um, and in every part of an Anabaptist's life. So we're honestly just going to be having a discussion and uh, we're going to be honest with you. We have found podcasting to be very uh, cumbersome, very difficult, almost like trying to push a chain forward. Uh, we don't know whether that's because just our giftings are not necessarily geared towards having just two mics in front of us and us staring across the table at one another. Um. So we're going to be up front that, that this is not necessarily our cup of tea. But uh, we just want to have a discussion about this uh, topic and uh, trust that, that the Lord can use it. And we will allow you all to listen in on the discussion. So so, why, what, so where do you see legalism? in Anabaptist churches, in Mennonite churches? Why do you think that there's a connection between Mennonites and legalism? Why would you say that that's a thing? Are we recording right now? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make much difference. Where do I see the connection? Yeah. Uh, I guess I see the connection in, uh, from, from my experience, there is a dissatisfaction in there is a dissatisfaction in who God is and his provision for us a seeking to to work our way toward him um and where the standards are are what guides community life versus um, love and love and joy in Christ um, scripture being and we could talk about this more but expositional preaching rather than topical preaching what do you mean by that where a preacher just simply picks a topic that he feels his audience needs to hear and then corrals verses to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, his audience, he feels, needs to hear something about the head covering or needs to hear something about dress or needs to hear something about unity in the body. And then we'll corral all manner of scriptures around that topic that he selects. That he selects to discuss that topic. 
Um, and so it's more of a, well, what does my audience need to hear? And how can I make them hear this? Versus, here's the word of God. Let's start in this gospel or in you know the gospel of John or something. And let's walk through it chapter by chapter and seek to understand what the Word of God is trying to tell us. And that's where I would say I see the main issue, the main connection between legalism and Mennonites slash Anabaptists. It seems like there's a lot of haziness about the gospel. And I think it shows up in preaching. Like... I've, I've talked about this a lot with you before, but the first half of almost all the epistles, right, mm-hmm. is full of this is what God has done for us. This is what God has done for us in Christ. This is who we now are in Christ. Right. And it, it's full of that. And then the back half is full of imperatives, which means, like, do this, right, and do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, and so much, and we can both attest to this, I think, so much Mennonite preaching that we hear Basically is, okay, no gossiping. Right. Let's talk about gossip, okay? I'm going to pull this first, this first, this first, or, you know, respect. We're going to talk about respecting those in authority, whatever. And we're going to pull this first, this first, this first. Almost all of it comes from the, quote, back half of the epistles, right? Yeah. Where you're not actually walking through and grounding people in the gospel of Jesus, of what he has done, and how that itself frees you and enables you to live in these new ways. And so there is this kind of thing where, you know, every once in a while you should have a, quote, gospel sermon where you talk about how to be saved, where you talk about Jesus dying and being raised and how you can be forgiven through him and that kind of thing. That, you know, that should be the occasional, you should occasionally have one like that. But then the rest, talk about how to live, this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, to me, that completely misses the whole form of the gospel, which is you were dead in sins. Now in Christ who died and was raised, you are freed from sin completely and totally, both the penalty, the judgment and the power of sin. And now you're free to live in this new way, to not gossip, to respect your authority. And if you don't have that grounding, you're going to miss the heart of it. Right. And so like, I mean, at the core of, of preaching is heralding good news. You know, and if you can't herald good news in your sermon about gossip mm-hmm. or about standards and clothing, yeah, then frankly, you're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like you said, the back half of the epistle is, is about like grounding, the front half of the epistle grounds you in why I shouldn't gossip. Mm-hmm. The freedom to not gossip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and if you just simply look at gossip as you shouldn't do this. Yeah. See here in in this, you know, verse it says don't do this. Yeah. Uh, you've missed it. Yeah. No, we shouldn't gossip. And I know it's so easy you hear you hear people start talking about, you know, somebody and it's oh, it's so fun to listen in and that kind of thing. But no, you should resist. Okay, next verse. Now, now this 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 yeah, the heart of gossip, right? What's the heart of gossip? I don't know. Maybe I just pulled this example and I haven't really thought through it. But um, the heart that has been set free in Christ 
from sin and from living on this social ladder. I need to climb up and be above everyone else. I think that's where a lot of the joy in gossip comes from, right? Pushing others down and thinking, okay, I'm in this group over here, and we're better than that guy over there, that girl over there. So, so let's talk about that, and let's feel that way. If you ground yourself, who, who am I? Oh, wait, I am raised with Christ. I'm seated with him in the heavenly places. I was dead in my sins and trespasses, and I deserve to be judged forever and are separated from God. Instead, I'm with God. I'm his child. I'm set free. Why do I need to climb this social ladder and push people down around me? Why do I need to listen to this gossip and join into that? I don't need to do that. I'm set free. I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. Um, and that person, you know, I don't need to push them down. I should pray and seek that they too would know Christ more fully. Um, yeah, it, there's just a world of difference. It, it's a matter of the heart of actual new birth difference between don't, don't, don't do this and Look at what Jesus, the Son of God, has done at the cross and in his resurrection to free you to do this in a million ways, mm -hmm. you know? And that's 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 the sad part about a lot of a lot of preaching. And it's not just Anabaptist no. preaching. This no. this permeates a vast number of, of churches, yes. denominations. Um but if you if you can't ground your practical life in the gospel, then you've grounded it in the wrong place. Mm. Um, like in just being a better person. Yeah. Being a more virtuous person. Yeah. Everyone's trying to be more virtuous. I mean, go listen to a TED Talk if, yeah. you, if you want to find out how to be a better person. Right. And, and this notion that the gospel is the, this, this kind of this story that's, that's like out there, and we kind of touch on it every it's now and then. kind of your starting point. It's the starting point, and like, but really, it has no bearing on, on why I shouldn't gossip, or like, it has no bearing on on the church's standards. Why I should dress modestly? Why I should refrain from entertainment that dishonors the Lord? Why I should, yeah, anything. It's it's foolishness. Yeah, um, because when you are in Christ, you are a new creation, um, and that touches every single part of your life uh romans 6 talks about like you just mentioned you're dead with romans Christ. 6 is huge yeah yeah um and you know romans 5 precedes it talking about you know our our father adam uh and and we <laughs> we inherited his sinful nature and so the sin that comes out of our life uh, is a indication that we were in Adam, right? Mm. Um, and so we have now, as Romans 6 talks about, are now in Christ, and so... We're dead to sin. We're dead to sin. And that, I'm sorry, but like, how does that not affect your whole life? Mm -hmm. um, and then it talks about the fruits of righteousness. So, like, everything that that is, everything in your life is a result or should be gospel-centered. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and if, if the main thrust of the preaching that you're hearing every Sunday is do better, be better, and that the way you're going to start thinking of yourself is... Either somebody who is doing pretty well, 
striving to stay on top of everything, getting it done pretty well, or you're going to think of yourself, I'm not, and then you're going to be terrified, right? Either way, there's an underlying kind of terror because there's a shakiness, like it all depends on me. But if you place it in gospel terms, in the, in the terms that Paul places it, places it, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Honestly, I feel like in Christ Jesus, those are probably the three most important words for legalism in general. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you realize, okay, I'm in Christ Jesus, and in Christ Jesus, I am dead to sin. I am dead to sin in him. Paul says, consider yourselves. So, 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 and, and we don't have to, I have to get alive to God and, you know, and get alive and get all of these good, holy things going on in my life. You have to realize, okay, in Jesus, I am already dead and I am already alive in him. Mm-hmm. And when you, and, and so the, the imperative, the command there in that verse is actually not die to sin and live. It's consider. That is the, that's the command there. Consider yourselves. So that I think is honestly, in my view, probably the main goal of Christian discipleship is more and more and more considering and realizing the truth of who you are in what Jesus has done. And it, you know, it, it's really sad, but I think that we would have to say the reason we're talking about it in relation to Mennonites is I feel like this is an aspect that's missing a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a core, it's the heart, mm-hmm. it's the heartbeat of obedience. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Mennonite churches preaching that obedience, obedience, obedience. I mean, it's huge, right? That's like, and obedience is like obviously that's loving God, right? This is the this is the love of God that we yeah. keep His commandments. But but it's the heart, the heartbeat of it is who Jesus is, what He has done for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Notice, notice. I mean, you have to notice the words, right? Like Paul doesn't separate Christ's death. From our death, mm-hmm. he says, uh, "Where is it? If we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection." Mm-hmm. So, and, and then he goes on in the in the next verse, knowing this that our old man was crucified with Him. And Paul, I think, uh, elsewhere talks about being crucified with him, with Christ. Paul talks about sharing in Christ's suffering. And so Paul didn't view Christ as being this nice little story over here that ended up doing some good things for me. He and He saw his life as completely tied to Christ. And anything good that came out of Paul's life was a result of Christ in him. You know, Galatians 2, as it says, uh, I've died with Christ, and my life is Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that if preaching does not call people to joyful obedience then I don't think it's true preaching. Right. Joyful, cross-empowered obedience. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I think that the preaching that, 
that we have seen a lot of is more it's it's a symptom of of that deeper way of looking at it right um it it's not like we're saying that the, that the Mennonites that we've lived with and grown up with that they, they don't know the gospel that they're not saved that like that's not what I'm saying at all that's not what we're saying right it's just it's that universe shift that whenever I don't know whenever God and what he has done becomes the center of everything of the whole universe and it's not yeah I don't know and then and then you realize the fullness of of the gospel and honestly I mean that's yeah realizing the fullness of the gospel what Christ has done that is what it means, I think, to grow as a Christian more and more. Our life is meant to be a worship to God, mm-hmm. not a striving to get to Him. Mm-hmm. The, the, the difference between Christianity, the, the story of Christ, versus all other religions, is the story of how God came to us, mm-hmm. sought out us, uh, versus other religions that tell you you must get to God somehow mm-hmm. through whatever that might be, whether whether it's mysticism, whether it's through um, you know Catholicism, where you go to Rome and you gotta like n- crawl up the steps of some temple or whatever. Yeah, um, medieval Catholicism. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Islam, whatever. All other religions are a religion of how do I get to God? Mm-hmm. And frankly, that is that is not the story of Christianity. That is not the story of Christ. We have in Christ a clear indication that God, the true God, Yahweh, seeks out His people. He comes to His people. He provides everything for his people. Go to Genesis 3, and and you will see the first indication that God is actually the one that provides everything for his people. In that, when Adam and Eve sin, they realize they're naked, and they quick fashion for themselves some fig leaves. And before they leave the garden, God himself takes an animal, kills it, skins it, gives it to Adam and Eve. It says God gave it to them. And so, it feels so often like, like as humans, and this is a human problem, is we're trying to fashion fig leaves for ourselves, to try and cover up our nakedness and cover up our shame, when God has, in Christ, provided us everything we need. Righteousness. Wisdom. I was it First Corinthians talks about wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was what I did my devotions on out at Minneapolis. Yeah, First Corinthians one thirty. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Yeah. So every single person that is in heaven praising God for forever will be glorying in the Lord having provided them righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Yeah. There will not be one ounce of, well, I'm here because I did some good stuff. Mm. 
not a one. That's the other pagan religions that say that, not Christianity. Right. And I think I, I already know where people's minds are going when they're hearing this. They're thinking, so you're saying people don't have to live good lives if they want to be saved? What about James? What about all the verses that Jesus talks about leaving this and that and the other thing to come after him? What about, um, you know, what about Paul saying, um, I beat my body and bring it into submission and all those kinds of things? Um, and honestly, I think that verse in 1 Corinthians 1 that you mentioned, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, Christ is for us wisdom. He is for us righteousness, right? He is our complete and total peace and right standing with God. That is all in him. It's in, in his life, it's in his death, and it's in his resurrection. Um, and, and he is our righteousness. And he is our sanctification. I think he is our sanctification for us in maybe a little bit of a different way, in a sense, than he is our righteousness. He is our righteousness, and that is complete gift. Sanctification, he is also complete gift, but God, by the Spirit, works that out in our life. Christ has bought us, we are in him, and he gives us a new nature. A, we are newly created. So yes, of course, faith without works is dead. Um, if, you don't, if you don't obey God, if you don't follow him, then you're not saved, right? But your obedience to God, <laughs> your following him, your love for him, your growth in godliness, your growth in holiness and worship and putting off sin and, and, and growing, all of that is itself through Jesus, from God to you by the power of the Spirit. That's not you. In your, that is not you. Don't get the good job, Johnny. Pat on the back. Great job. Jesus told us that we are unworthy servants. Even after you've done the good thing, you need to say, no, I'm an unworthy servant. Right. No, we don't get the pat on the back because it is a gift of God that we ourselves have the new nature that even wanted to obey him. Right. That is a gift from him. It, Jesus is our righteousness, and he's our sanctification. So we're not denying the, the call to discipleship, the cost of discipleship. We're not denying the absolute need for good works. We're saying that everything, the whole package, is gift from God to us through Christ. Right. Worked out by the even, Spirit. Even our obedience is blood-bought. Mm-hmm. Like, you would not be obeying Christ if he had not died. Yes. If he had not shed his blood. Yes. Um, so even, like you're saying, your sanctification, your your continual pursuit of holiness is blood-bought. Yes. Um, what That verse, John Piper preached about it at T4G. It's in one of the Peters. Which one is it? Um, it's, so, it's so crucial. Uh, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So we were ransomed from feudal ways, that is sinful, evil, dark ways. We were ransomed from that by the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. And later in 1 Peter, he talks about, never mind, 2 Peter, give me just a second. Okay, maybe it is 2 Peter. He bore our sins in his body on the tree Mm -hmm. that, why? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So the only reason that you as a good Mennonite boy or girl are living to righteousness and dying to sin 
is because Christ bore your sins in his body on the tree so that you might die to sin and live to righteousness. Mm-hmm. That it, You do not get the praise for that. Christ gets the praise for that. Right. He gets the glory for that. Right. And I think one of the things, one of the human reasons why we can't, why I struggle so fiercely to see this, and, and it, it's a journey to see this, and it's so hard to comprehend this, is because we are so bent towards our own glory. This is a sin issue, mm-hmm. okay? This is not, for a legalist, it's not just you need to lighten up, mm-hmm. okay? If you are finding, if you are finding your right standing before God in anything outside of Christ, Paul says in, in Galatians is, uh, 5, is it? If you are circumcised, if you get circumcised, Christ is of no value to you. Okay, so Paul is declaring that if you find even one little ounce of your acceptance before God in yourself, Christ is of no value to you. You might as well go at it by yourself. And so I think one of the things that is so hard for us to grasp that are that are everything in this life, that even our obedience is blood-bought, is, in my opinion, a result of us seeking glory for ourselves. Um, and this verse, frankly, in 1 Corinthians 1, 31, that says, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord, frustrates us. Because... We want some righteousness that is acceptable before God. We want our obedience to actually wow God. Frankly, it doesn't. Our righteousness, as Isaiah says, is as dirty rags. Uh, so, I really think it comes down to like glory. We seek glory for ourselves. And Rather, God is not having any of that. Yeah. Seeking glory for ourselves rather than glorying, glorying in what God has provided for us in Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. Just, 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 I would say too, with the Isaiah verse, I feel like I could be wrong about this, but wasn't he referencing specifically people who were in open rebellion and then they were still coming and they were doing, Mm. you know, sacrifices, they were doing this, this, they were doing that. Of course, no deed of righteousness done by us will justify us before God. Right. But I do think that there's a difference between what he's referencing there and a Christian blood-bought obedience. That, that is precious in God's sight. That is beautiful right. to him. Right. Um, well, absolutely. And, but I think, I, think it does, I think it does apply in, in some sense in that in Israel at that time, like you said, they were coming, they were doing their sacrifices, they were doing whatever, but yet going and living in rebellion and whatever. But there was some sense of still some religiosity in that this is my external way of getting God's approval. And so as long as I have that, well, I can go do whatever. That could be. Honestly, I need to look at the context more. Yeah, Yeah. I would too. But suffice it to say, there will be nothing before God that is acceptable to him aside from what his son has produced. And then on our behalf, what the Spirit through what Christ has done through what Christ has done has produced in us. 
Yeah. So all the praise and the glory goes to God and not to us. Mm-hmm. And there's a deep rest and a peace that comes from that. And a a real humbling, a real pride destroying. Yeah, it, 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 it hurts, right? It hurts our pride, right? Oh, wow. It's not in me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's only in God. It's only in Christ. It's only what he's done. Christ said at the, cro- at the cross, it is finished, right? Mm-hmm. It is finished. And I feel like that is the sentence that needs to ring out into every legalist, you know, every fearful legalist's heart, right? Mm-hmm. Christ has said, it is finished. Right. What a joyous, amazing thing. Yeah. Christ has finished it. He has done it. And we can rest in that. Romans 5, 1, um, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. And then I love the, I love the last part, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can go to our deathbeds. We can be lying there. And we can say, I have peace with God through. It's not because of me. It's not because of, oh, I've marshaled together all these things and look at my life that I'm lying on top of. I'm lying on my laurels here on my deathbed. (laughs) It's, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying, you know, and this is something, I mean, I have to be honest, right? I... I deal with fear and yeah. um, sometimes lack of assurance of salvation. I've dealt with that a lot in my life. Legalism, um, distrusting the heart of God's grace and his love. And, I, you know, this is something I've actually thought a lot about. You know, what will I look like on my deathbed? Will I be a serene saint, just completely <laughs> at peace? Or will it, I, I imagine that it will be a battle. It will yeah. be, it will be. There will be good days and there will be bad days. Some days of fear, some days of absolute peace and rest. But I trust, as with every other season that the Lord has brought me through, um, that he will again show me the sufficiency of Christ. He will again show me with joy who Christ is and what he's done. He's never failed to do that for me before. That's why I'm so passionate about this topic, is because there's been so many seasons in my life where I've been fearful, where I've been wondering about this and that. Um... And, and the Lord has constantly shown me and, again, brought me back. Christ and his cross and his resurrection is enough. And there's peace and there's joy and there's glory in that. Um, so what, what's left for us to do? Like if, if this verse is actually right, which it is in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, if Christ has become everything for us, then doesn't that just smash our purpose? Here on earth, what's our purpose if we are not actually accredited with producing anything? It's all about glorifying God then, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about bringing glory to him. Because, I mean, that's that's an honest question that everyone, probably every one of you that's listening to this podcast will ask that question. What is it for us to do then? What are we here for? If If all the glory goes to to God in what he's provided us through his son, why am I here? And to me, I just tell you, that's, that is sin talking in you. That is a desire for your glory. We were created. We were put here on this earth to worship, to be in awe of our creator, to, to see him as all-satisfying, as back in Genesis uh, 1 and 2 and 3, he puts man in the garden. 
and gives him every tree for good eating. He satisfies him. And we were put here to glory in our maker. That is our supreme purpose as people. Mm -hmm. And yet, in me, I see I rail against that often. When I want to imagine my life as being having ultimate purpose in presenting God with something great or something satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think something we haven't really brought in yet, too. Um, Conrad Eby, who is a... Um, he has a master's in psychology, right? Psychology, psychiatry. I don't Something know. Something like that. Um, and he is a like a clinical psychologist, so he actually does like clinical work. And when asked at our church about the the rate of OCD among Mennonite slash Anabaptist people, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, he he seemed to indicate that it was higher among Anabaptists. He seemed to he, he seemed to attribute it to us basically calling people to a higher standard of obedience mm-hmm. than we should be. Mm. I, 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 I I'm not here to you know argue with a clinical psychologist or whatever, but but I would I would personally place it at a at a different place at a a haziness about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, a, a failure to point to the fullness of Christ, to the fullness of what he has done, mm-hmm. which, which creates fear, which creates um, a need to stay, to stay clean, a need to, um, to yeah, I don't know, to, to be on this ladder of pleasing God, right? Like, I need, to, I, need to, I need to make sure that I do this, that, and the other thing. And just like, um, so then that goes back to preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, that goes back to, well, why shouldn't I gossip? Yeah. Tell me why I shouldn't gossip. Yeah. And if all it's being said is you shouldn't gossip, well, because it says you shouldn't gossip. Yeah. Then that causes for fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is fear of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. There is. But if if the command to not gossip is not rooted in the first half of the epistle, in all that God has done for us in Christ, yeah. and a love for God, and a worship for God, and a life that you desire to be pleasing and, and a sweet aroma to God because mm-hmm. of what he's done for you and provided for you in Christ, right. then there will be fear. Right. There will be an obsessive manner of, well, did I, ah, shoot, I did gossip. Yeah. Man, uh, I don't know what to do with this mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I, that's where I would play, that's where I would, that's why I think that there are so many Mennonites who struggle with OCD. It's actually incredible, um, the, the number of people that I have met who are Mennonites who struggle with OCD, um, and, I mean, I don't know, I've never been, like, openly diagnosed, so I don't know if, uh, you know, if this if this will actually trigger people because I haven't been diagnosed, it's like, why are you claiming that you know you yourself struggle? But I do struggle with with tendencies similar to OCD, and I I know that, I, yeah, I'm just convinced that the core of it is the heart of a restless striving, mm-hmm. um, 
that Christ invites us to come to him, Mm -hmm. to find Mm -hmm. him to bread that gives eternal life, Mm -hmm. um, to find the rest that he gives, to find, to find that it is finished that he called out at the cross. Right. Um, and to, to be filled with the joy and the peace with God that comes through what he has done. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think that, I think haziness on the gospel, I think, um, a foggy confusion and, and like we've been talking about, you know, preaching and all of that, um, I think it really contributes to exacerbates and yeah, it just, it just makes it a worse situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. OCD and a lot of Mennonites hearts. Right. Yeah, I agree. And that's not to paint with, sorry, that's not to paint with like too broad a brush. Obviously we're not saying like everyone who has an OCD, that's because you haven't heard the gospel enough or haven't trusted the God. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that I think that there's a pattern here and I think it's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I, I agree. Um, and listen, like, this is not, these problems are not just Mennonite specific. No. We are, we were born Mennonite, we grew up Mennonite, in a lot of senses we still are Mennonite, um, we're both still members at a Mennonite church, um, and so I, I love Mennonites. Mm-hmm. That's why I want Anabaptists, and honestly, this uh, Conrad Eby, the guy that was at Mountain View the other week, uh, listening to him, honestly, it like sparked more fuel in me to like, you know, engage in some of these things uh, about fear, OCD, legalism, some of these things. Uh, dissatisfaction in the provision of God, I guess I should say, as well. Uh, because this is a problem in in Mennonite circles, apparently. Um, and you said, you know, there's a higher rate of OCD in Mennonites because we call, or Mennonites call people to more obedience. Is that what you said? Well, he he attributed it to... Calling people to, I think he called it divine obedience, like a divine level of obedience, mm. as compared to uh, a man's level of obedience mm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, frankly, that's, so what are we supposed to do as Mennonites? Not call people to more obedience? Mm. Is right. that the is that the remedy no. to OCD? Yeah. Is to like, oh, well, actually, let's back off some of the calling people to obedience. Right. No one would ever honestly look in the mirror that has a genuine heart and say, yeah, that's, that's the solution. Mm. Let's stop calling people to such obedience, to radical holiness. There, there will, you have to be rooted in Christ in the quote, first part of the epistle. Mm -hmm. And when you are rooted in the first part of the epistle that roots it in Christ, Mm -hmm. you will see a need for deeper calling into obedience. Mm-hmm. And out of that heart that sees Christ as all satisfying and the freedom that he has set you free to, mm-hmm. you will long to, to press into obedience as far as earthly possible. Mm-hmm. I, 
I don't believe that there's any anything else that you will desire more than to follow this amazing man, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who has given everything for you. Right. Yeah. And I think Romans is a perfect example of this. 1 through 11, chapters 1 through 11. Mm-hmm. He's literally just laying out the beauties of what God has done for us in Christ. And then, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, beloved brethren, I don't know, I urge you, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as living sacrifices. And then he goes into a whole lot of different practical outworkings of what Christ has done. Right. Um, yeah, he roots it for literally 11 chapters. Mm-hmm. 11 of the 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, I think it's a travesty that so much Mennonite Anabaptist preaching skips over all of that. I think so many, so many people would be embarrassed if we would start walking through verse chapter by chapter, we'd be like, wait, there's so much gospel here. Literally all we're talking about is how to be saved. Right. Right. (laughs) This is getting a little bit too much. We need to stop talking about this as much. Right. Right. Because we need to start talking about obedience more. Yeah. Yeah. Obedience and gospel are not on a seesaw. Right. They're not on a, you have to take one or the other. You either have to talk some about the grace or you got to talk some about the obedience. It's not, that's yeah. not the way it is. The gospel and what Christ has done is the heartbeat, the core, the driving force, the impetus for the obedience to this loving and amazing God. Right. If, like you said, it's not a seesaw. It's not like we're, we're preaching more about obedience. So grace is going down. Yeah. Or we're talking more about grace. Yeah. So obedience is going down. Yeah. No. If if the ocean is obedience, then grace is the weight that you hold on to to go deeper and deeper into that. Whoa. Like Did you hear that somewhere? No. I whoa, just that was very it. interesting. No. I and, and maybe it's a terrible analogy. No, but, that's whoa, that was very profound. But that's that's what it is. Titus is a Titus that talks about grace has taught me, you know, the grace of God has appeared. Yeah, yeah, training all men to renounce ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live self-controlled, upright, and right. Yeah, in our culture, and this is a this is a cultural thing across the board. We just view grace as being like this thing that like band aids our sin. Yeah, no. Yeah, grace is the thing. That takes you deeper and deeper in your walk and your relationship with Christ. Yes. Takes you deeper in your renouncing of ungodliness mm-hmm. and, and putting off sin. Right. Yes. Yeah. And absolutely there's grace when you do stumble. Mm-hmm. But that's you. That grace allows you to see Christ as being sufficient Yes. to, to cover that. His blood has covered that. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. I've, sometimes you'll see like a blurb or hear a blurb before the podcast even starts of like a quote from deeper in the podcast. I feel like there is, if there is one for this one, it was what you said. What, what, how did you say it? <laughs> see, I don't, uh, if, okay, so if, if, obedience, if obedience is the ocean. And grace. No. If obedience is the ocean. Yeah. Grace if, is the weight that you hold on to that you hold on. you deeper into. Wow. Yes. That was, that was, that was very profound. That's. That's yeah. That's a good way to put it. Because Christ did say, if if you hear us, if you're if you're a person that feels like you struggle with legalism, and you hear us talking about this, 
what we are not saying is you need to back off yeah. of your desire to obey Christ. No. In no stretch of the way are we saying that. No. And it's actually a call to deeper and deeper relationship, deeper and deeper understanding of Christ, deeper and deeper understanding of his grace and provision. And out of that flows obedience. Because guess what? You love him. Mm-hmm. And he talks about it. Jesus talks about that. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yeah. And so often that gets broken apart. And often on the command side, right? It's like, eh, if you love Jesus, yeah. you better keep his commandments. Yeah. Yeah. But he says, if you love me, mm-hmm. you right. will keep my commandments. Right. That's a deep-seated love and heartfelt love for the creator. For your creator. Right. And you can't moral bootstrap love, right? You can't just, I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to love God more. Mm -hmm. I'm going to love others more. You can't do that. Right. That love, (laughs) if there's anything that is a heart transformation, it's it's love. Mm -hmm. And we the fruit of the spirit is Mm -hmm. love. Right. This only by the spirit can we do the thing that is the greatest call of God on our lives. Love him with all we are and love others. Right. So if there's anything that puts legalism living up to external man-made standards for your sense of of moral virtue or whatever, if there's anything that puts that to shame and 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 puts it away, it's it's the great commandment. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. You you can't just I'm going to do this, I'm going to get this. You can live your life by the most amazing most strict conservative Mennonite standards, and you can get to the end of life and you're like, I missed it. Mm-hmm. Because what he called me to above all was love. Love for him above all and love for my neighbor as myself. Right. And I'm going to use an example here that's very uh, vivid in the, in the Amish community. If you got to Lancaster, Ohio, or Lancaster and PA, Holmes County in Ohio, and other parts in Indiana, You'll find a, a a crazy thing called Rumspringa, right? You'll see you'll see this idea that for a couple years, people, kids can do. Th- this is obviously a man that's uneducated, uneducated <laughs> in Rumspringa, but from an outsider looking in, you can go do basically whatever you want for a number of years. And then at the end of that term, you can then decide whether you want to come back to the church or not. Yeah. And obviously do all these good things, like what what are deemed as good things, you know, look the part, dress the part. None of that is love for Christ. Mm. Like, to, to tell your young people, you can go do whatever for those years. Or to have this culture in which it, it, grows this idea that you can do literally whatever you want for a couple years and then as long as you come back and dress up and look like you're an Amish again then you're good right and 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 you're back in the church so everything's good no 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 yeah in none of that do i see love for the man Jesus Christ right. who has called us to die to ourselves There's no love in that. Yeah. 
Um, and frankly, there's little obedience in that. Mm. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Christ, Jesus uh, is talking to the Pharisees, right? He, he tells them that they strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They should have paid attention to the weightier matters of the law, like justice, mercy, some of those things. Uh, I see that as being at the heart of a legalist, is like straining out a gnat, um, the littlest of things. Right. But then there's these massive, weighty matters of justice, mercy, some of these bigger things in the law that the law talks about. Love, joy, peace. Yeah. In your maker. Right. In Christ. Yeah. That just fall to the wayside. Yeah. Um, and, and aren't seen as big things. Yeah. I can speak to that, honestly, from personal experience, too. Um, this, is, this is not a Scott and Jordan getting together and bashing Mennonite session. Okay? This is stuff that I've lived. This is... This is, this is fears this is questions this is all of the stuff that i myself have lived i i don't even know how much i've told you about this scott but there were years where i just struggled with with um with food and eating food i felt guilty eating food i felt guilty enjoying um yeah just enjoying food i would be at frostburg and i would be like oh yeah i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna have an amazing meal with my family if i were truly spiritual i would I would go and I would pray in my room. I would fast. Um, you know, if I were really, really spiritual, I would stay here at Frostburg and I would go and I would share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would not eat, you know, dinner or anything. And it's just, so, so there's an example. Mm-hmm. Kind of forget where I came from with this one. Um, where was discussion, I man. No, I know. Where was I going with that? No, I was going somewhere. <laughs> so it was a, it was the thing of, um, Straining an ass. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Um, Eating a camel. So, yes, exactly. For, for years, it was like just guilt on me whenever I would, you know, enjoy food, this and that kind of thing. And then it was like, it was, there was, there was, obviously the Lord freed me from that. He, he showed me verses about how, how every good gift and perfect gift is from above and um, that, that God gives us every good thing to enjoy. So many of these things where it's a matter of worshiping God through enjoying what he gives us and that kind of thing. So, but that's kind of a whole other story, which maybe I'll share sometime. But um, but it, there's also a moment where you just wake up and you're like, for the past two years, I've been ruminating about whether or not eating this food is pleasing to God or if I'm idolizing it or whatever. When I was literally being rude and unkind to family with the things I would say, mm-hmm. where I would be proud in my heart about my accomplishments and this and that. Where, um, where I failed in moral purity areas, where just whatever it was, you know, and yet, and yet, my focus was on it was on this, right? It was on this this external standard type thing, and it's like so often I think the heart of legalism. It that, you're right. It, it it focuses on this thing when the the Lord He is calling us to deeper, harder things that only He by His Spirit can actually can actually change in us because our heart, we want to grasp at the things that we can impact. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are the gnats. Those are the small things. Those are the, um, you know, ankle length skirts. Those are the no shorts. Those are the no TV, that, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Yeah, and Colossians uh, 2, the end, the last verse talks about that. It talks about, uh, well, it says, you know, he, you subject yourselves to the basic, basic principles of the world. Right. Um, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Yeah. Uh, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. Notice that. Self-imposed religion. Right. False humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Right. So, frankly, if if what... What gets God's attention is denying ourselves food or um, denying ourselves money, then we should all be taking up the monastic order and becoming monks. Right. But no, none of these things actually, here's the thing, none of these things actually are of any value against the indulgence of the flesh. And listen to me whenever I say there is a war going on against my sin. So I will use whatever means possible to drown out my sin. Right now, I have a filter on my phone, Covenant Eyes, to destroy this sin of lust, all of these things that come with having a smartphone today, right? So the the question that would then be asked is, well, is that of any value against the flesh? If it's rooted in self-imposed religion of, <clears throat> look at how good I am. I've got this, this filter on my phone that does not allow me to see anything on my phone that's inappropriate. Um, look at Look at me. That puffs myself up, and guess what? I could go out and with my eyes lust and do all manner of sin in my heart. Um, so if it's not, if your filter on your phone is not rooted in who Christ is and what he's done for you and his provision for you, it will not be of any value to you. Right, and just to think about the reasoning for that, you can do that out of a, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be this great, you know, pure, pious person. Mm-hmm. Or you can do it out of a heart of, okay, wow, I am bought with a price. I'm right. supposed to glorify God in my body. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit himself, God himself dwelling in me because of the blood that Christ shed, buying me back. Wow, I'm supposed to be holy and pleasing to the Lord. I don't want to see things that are going to lead me to, to temptation. I don't want to see inappropriate things that are um, displeasing to God. I'm going to put this filter on my phone. Versus, I I should be a good person. I need to be virtuous. Mm-hmm. There's there's literally there's millions of people in the world who want to be quote virtuous, right? And are going to avoid this and that and the other thing. Yeah, it's a matter though of if it's good. The only thing that is pleasing to God is done from worship to Him, love for Him, lifting His name. Mm. Um, not a not a lifting of your own name by self virtue and getting you know virtue of course we're, we're commanded to pursue virtue but but that's out of what god has done for us that's because of yeah yeah and like you said there's many many people who 
who seek to be virtuous. Right. That are not Christians. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. There's so much confusion today in our culture, in, in, in our Western culture, in worldly culture, that's like, wow, they might be a Christian. They're saying some virtuous things. Yeah. They're striving to be a good person. If you do not have the message of Christ, if you do, if you are not in Christ, if you are not seeing Christ as your all and you, Him as being sufficient, I can su- I can sufficiently tell you that you are not a Christian. Your works are doing nothing before God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm not saying that like those of you who struggle with this because I do. Like I said, I struggle to glory mm. in the Lord because. I want some glory. But you have you have to be rooted in this battle where you see Christ as sufficient and you want to see anything within you that calls you to supplement Christ if you see a deficiency in him or you think you see a deficiency in him. So you supplement him. It's a call to battle against that. Um, because you do see him as sufficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I had somebody, I overheard somebody in another Sunday school class one time say this, and I think it's right. So Paul talks in Ephesians 2, by grace you have been saved through faith. Mm-hmm. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, um, which gets into other things that we've talked about. But actually the crux of what he was saying was, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the world does, quote, good works, does charity, does virtuous things, right? But the things that God is looking for, the things that please him, the works that please him, are the works that that he has prepared for those who are recreated, given a new nature in Christ. Those are the good works that bring pleasure and honor and glory to him because he is at the center of those. He demands to be at the center. God is not at the center of some John, Joe, or Jim going out and doing some charity thing to feel good about themselves, to lift their own name. Oh, yeah, put that on my, you know, on my business stuff at the end of the year and make me look good in the in the eyes of people, or you know, doing a business doing that, whatever. God's not at the center of that. Often, feelings of virtue and feeling good about myself—that's at the center of that. What God God demands to be at the center of everything, including the good works we do. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I think getting back to like getting back to the the discussion about the Amish, the uh, Rumspringa stuff. Um, that's where I see self-imposed religion coming into play, um, giving can be giving a false hope uh, because if if in those couple years of going and doing whatever you want to do what are you what are you teaching your your young people mm. are you teaching your young people and I think this is a this is a, an anchoring theme in, in our discussion here are you teaching your young people that there is satisfaction in Christ? Is there satisfaction in Christ? Or, and I know it will get, I know it will get discussed and penned or brushed away as being, well, we're letting them go 
do whatever they want, and so it gets it out of them. No. No. Like, if, if you think you can purge the externals, the external rebellion, there is no such thing as doing that. Yeah. You still walk around with a heart yep. that longs to satisfy your every need and your every want with something other than your maker, the one who created you. Um, and you can seek to satisfy those things while you're wearing suspenders and a straw hat. Yep. And you can see it. I, I still remember in Lancaster seeing older Amishmen in suspenders and a straw hat smoking, right? So there's, there's, no, there's no call to satisfaction in Christ in this self-imposed religion. Right. Yeah. If we can just get young people to... They have these inevitable, unstoppable urges to live this rebellious lifestyle, right? And to do these things that we know aren't okay. And we're not quite sure what to do with those urges other than to let them go and just get it out of them for years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> rather than realizing that in Christ... There is a new birth offered. Mm -hmm. There is a new creation offered. Mm -hmm. A new heart. A heart of flesh in the place of a heart of stone offered. Um, And and that that he is the the answer. He is the salvation. Um, And he is the one who will lead us into holiness. Not emptying ourselves of these urges that we just can't get rid of. I really want to go smoke. I really want to go have premarital sex. I really want to, you know, I really want this lifestyle, get drunk. I want parties and that kind yeah. of thing. But but to be fair, in a strictly, I'm not saying all Amish are like this, of course. I'm not painting a broad brush with Amish, Mennonites, anything. Mm-hmm. But in a context where it is just a strictly abide by these standards mm-hmm. and you're good, mm-hmm. there's no spiritual power there. There's no spirit-filled, blood-bought, Christ-glorifying power there. Mm-hmm. The only place that there is power for a good life, pleasing to the Lord, worshiping Him, is through Christ, not through externally imposed standards. Right, right. Because, frankly, there's no power within us yeah. to be acceptable. We can we can try all we want. We can set up, structure, or, or religion in any way that we possibly think we can to try and, to try and cover up Remember back to the green, you know, the fig leaves. We can try anything we want to cover up these, the um, blatant, obvious, external rebellion. But it will not have any heart change whatsoever. It is of no use when it comes to a new heart, living out of a new heart in Christ. Um. And so I think I think all of this is just what like a call to to check yourself. If you if you are in an Anabaptist culture or if you're listening to us and you're not in an Anabaptist culture, you're in a Baptist culture or you're in a Pentecostal culture. I don't care whatever culture you're in. Are you Struggling against your sin, fighting against your sin, out of a heart of being satisfied 
in Christ. Of resting fully in his provision. Right. Yeah. Of complete rest. Right. And out of that rest, you desire to rid yourself of the disgusting nature of sin. Right. Sin is disgusting. Yeah. Okay? There's so many times where I don't like to see that. I don't want to see that. But that the, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's horrendous. And I hope that this is a call to like see that self-imposed religion, standards, the way you dress, in and of itself has absolutely no value when it when it comes to living out of a satisfied heart in Christ. Right. Yeah. And I think it's a reminder and a call for each one of us to to realize that our hope, our growth, our salvation is not in our own hands, in our own work that we do with our our hands, and we we, we make sure to do this and that. It's actually in the nail scarred hands mm. of Christ. Yeah, it's in it's not in us striving to to finish and complete this or that. It's it's in Christ's call that it is finished, mm-hmm. and out of that, in Him. There's a great and, and amazing joy and a great and amazing peace. We're not worthy of this. Mm-hmm. None, none of us are. Mm-hmm. It's only through Christ's unspeakable grace. Mm-hmm. What kind of grace would take Christ, the perfect and sinless Son of God, to the cross of Calvary in the place of people who are sinful, evil, spurning God, that he would, in Gethsemane, instead of turning back in the face of horror, he would press on. He said... I could call 10,000, I don't remember how many angels, right? 10,000 legion. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And Or 12 legion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 10,000 and 12. <laughs> yeah. He could call Lots of a lot of angels. But no, he submitted. Mm-hmm. He, he died in grace for us to save us, to forgive us, to justify us. We are justified by his blood, like it says in Romans 5. Mm-hmm. We are not worthy of Christ. We are not worthy of his beauty. But he has done this for us. We're nothing but joyful, childlike recipients of our amazing Savior. Mm. And that is that is the heart mm-hmm. that we get to come to know more and more and more in our Christian walk. Yeah. And that is the delight of the Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Praise God it's not just a matter of moral bootstraps, grabbing yourself more and more up. I'm going to go up, up, up. It's a matter of of realizing how far down Christ came. And of, in his resurrection, living a new life to God with joy. And, 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 and it's, it's the delight of our lives for eternity that we'll get to know the Savior more yeah. and more. Yeah. Get to know the depths of how unworthy we truly were and yet how gracious he is to us. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that we talk about self-imposed religion versus spirit-filled killing of sin. Um, instead of self-imposed religion, like in a killing of sin, um, I think that that what what has plagued a lot of people is this notion that it's not what we believe, mm. but what you do mm. that matters. Mm. And it's it's like a it's like a, a a looking back at like the beginning of the church where doctrine was like. You fought over doctrine, right? Like, that was the big thing. The deity of Christ. 
um, the Trinity, all of these things about doctrine that were so crucial and fought over and discussed and all of this. And people want to look in our postmodern world and look back at that and say, like, couldn't couldn't we just make it off of what I do? Mm. Like, this person's a pretty good person. Like, they do some pretty good things. No. Yep. It's what you believe. Christ called his people. He said, his disciples asked him, what must we be doing to be doing the works of God? And he said, believe on him whom he has sent. That's what he said. And we want to pen that off as being, well, that's just so easy. That's all grace-filled verse. No, it's not just a grace-filled It is a grace-filled verse. Because Jesus, God in the flesh, has come to us. Right? And so, do we believe that he is all-satisfying? Do you believe within your heart that he is that to you? Um, and it's not what you do primarily that is acceptable before God. And so I think I think that comes into play in, in our greater culture, in this postmodern culture, where literally we hate discussing. We hate this idea that, that theology and this discussion over what we believe could cause a serious uproar. Right. Yeah. James did not divorce faith and works. He coupled them together. So why would we try to? Hmm. We would say, it was almost as if maybe back then they were saying, we can have faith without works. Hmm. And that was what he was responding hmm. to. Now we're saying, in our postmodern culture, a lot of people are trying to say, we can have works without faith. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. And there's all roads lead to God. Right. You know, this this Muslim over here, well, he really might believe in the same God. Yeah. Um. You know, I've literally heard a, a Mennonite ask if we should pray, like if we're praying with a Muslim, if we should say Allah. Pray in the name of Allah. Pray in the name of Allah. Like, maybe Allah's the same, maybe they're just, their view of God's a little skewed, but like, you know, Allah is the supreme God to them. Right. So maybe we should just say Allah in our yeah. prayer. Like, this idea that all roads lead to God is foolishness. Mm -hmm. No. Yahweh is the only God. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that in his son there is complete yep. provision? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, it's not in the works that you do, but it's in the message that you believe. And then out of that message and that changed heart, the fruit that comes from that. Yeah is evidence that you actually do believe. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Wow. So we went pretty long. Um, a bit. Yeah, it was a good discussion, and we will probably be back with some more episodes, discussions. Uh, but we hope that as you go from here, we really do want the spirit to use this uh we're not sitting up here trying to display ourselves as being somehow above and beyond uh i'm just i love christ his word and i desire for for clarity 
uh, in his word. And for those um, that I grew up with in my culture to see that as well. Um, so that's it for now. I think, I think we're going to close this episode. Jordan, do you want to just pray before we end and then we will end it? Sure. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening and we give you praise and thanks for Christ. And we worship you that we who were dead in our trespasses and sins have been brought to new life in Christ. Um, We were ungodly and sinful, but Christ came and took the nails that we deserved. He was flogged and beaten and crucified for our sins. On him was the was um, was the the penalty for that we deserved. And we um, we give you praise and we give you thanks this evening for that. And we just pray that you would pound the sentence that Jesus cried out from the cross. Pound that sentence into our hearts. It is finished. We pray that we would rest in that sentence. We pray that we would rejoice in our Savior and um, that our lives would not be a fear-filled um, grabbing our bootstraps and, and striving, but rather would be a spirit-filled, um, worship-filled, Christ-centered um, enjoyment of who you are, a worship of you. Um, yes, a striving, but a striving that your spirit works in us by your power. Um, we want to glorify you. We want to love you more. We want to praise you, um, and we want your name to be exalted and hallowed in this earth. So we just pray that your spirit would come and give us, each one of us, a heart of worship and love for you. And put yourself on full display for our hearts and our eyes by the power of the spirit. Um, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jordan. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later. And blessings to you.